Inner Voice, a heartfelt chat with Dr. Fujian. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Inner Voice Show. I'm Dr. Fujian Zane, and um, I'm a psychotherapist, author, and the originator of the Awareness Integration Theory. And hello to Sean, our director at the studio. This is a show uh, about what matters most in our life, our minds, our thoughts, feelings, actions, relationships, our fulfillment in this beautiful journey of life. Today, I am actually in Texas, Dallas, and I'm bringing the show to you from Dallas. I came here to uh, be with friends and family, and uh, I'm still here. So you are getting this show from Dallas. In this show, I will share the tip of the week about how to stop um, living in constant fear and suspicion. Then I will share with you when you have to handle life, when all the changes will happen to all the pre-plans that you've had. And uh, it just kind of like springs it on you, like today, as I was supposed to be in California. And guess what? I'm still here. And then I bring you Dr. Rochelle Calvert. She is a psychologist and, uh, and the author of The Healing with Nature and certified um, in a variety of mindfulness, meditation, and trauma healing practices. She's the founder and the clinical director of The New Mindful Life in San Diego. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel and podcast and connect with me with all my social media. I love to hear from you about everything that's going on uh, with your unique from me, what um, questions you have and uh, the comments you have, the topics, all of it. So connect with me and I love to hear from you. But first, here's the tip of the week. Hello, I'm Dr. Fujian Zane. I'm a psychotherapist and a life coach for the past 30 years. And I'm the originator of the awareness integration therapy. I'd love to be able to support you in any matters of life that shows up for you that you need support. So call me at 818-648-2140. I am available to do online therapy or coaching, anyone who's around the world. And my, you can also join me in my office in San Clemente, California, if you like to uh, come to the office. So call me at 818-648-2140 or go to fujon.com. I look forward to hearing from you and having the opportunity to support you in things that are in your life and you just want to excel and create an amazing life for yourself and everyone around you. Well, here's the tip of the week. Stop living in constant unnecessary fear and suspicion. This is what a client said. As I sit in my car driving home, I call my husband and he does not pick up. My mind goes to a hundred different places. Is he okay? Is he talking to someone? Who? Is he not picking up my call purposely? Is he talking to another woman? Does he not love me anymore? Is he? Is he this? Is he that? These are what goes on in Pamela's mind. She says that she remains in that suspicious mode all night and then dreams about it. I ask if there's any reason or any evidence for her suspicion. Has he done anything? Has he said anything for her to be not trusting him? She powerfully says, nope, I can't control it. There are many times during the day you might find your thoughts creating scenarios about what people um, around you would do to you or about you or even for themselves, be it your mate, your friend, family members, or someone at work, regardless of whether you have any sort of evidence or if they've done anything before to kind of ignite that evidence. So you might continue the story in your head and believe it as if it's true, 
and then end up having emotional reactions toward those people. So when raw, unfiltered emotional reactions based on a personal thought and perceptions are sprung on people, it doesn't end well. The, the accused, the person you're actually accusing in your mind and probably somehow in the way you say it, whether it's through sarcasm or straight up accusation or just through your anger, letting them know that they've done something without really them doing anything. Um, that person goes into a defense mode and usually either ignores, denies or attacks back with a lot of resentment. The cycle creates feelings of resentment, anger, sadness, disappointment, guilt, anxiety, hopelessness, or sometimes even powerlessness because they figure no matter what happens, they have no power about your mind and how you're going to accuse them. And this happens for both people. So why the rumination? I've noticed that any past hardship or trauma that has imprinted painful experience will show up as a form of anxiety and fear about the present moment or the future. The internal emotional pain that has not been resolved stands by for any sign to alert us to be ready for another episode. The fear creates the projection of the past event onto whatever is happening now or a possibility of the future. The scene of the past keeps repeating in the hopes to spare you from the unknown surprise. As if, as long as you scare yourself long enough to be prepared for the pain that is bound to happen, you will have less pain facing the same pain over and over again. Not true in reality, because if it is true, you will feel the pain regardless. And if it is not true, then you just wasted your time and emotional energy on unnecessary pain. So what can you do? Reality check. Ask questions that would give you answers to clarify and ease your suspicion. If you find some fact that bothers you, then deal with that particular fact. If there are no facts and you realize it, that's all in your imagination, then attempt to complete with the past trauma to shut down the bystander that needs to remind you to protect you and let her or him know that you are safe. Living in constant fear is painful. Creating clarity as soon as possible is really the key. So if a gut feeling tells you this is the truth, do something so that you will get the fact and not just your suspicion in your head. And if it's not, if you really do reality check and there's nothing going on, take care of yourself because you're scaring yourself constantly. For more information, observational skills and emotional regulation, please go to my book, I Freeset the Awareness Integration Path to create the life you want. Thank you. to all of you therapists, counselors, coaches, and teachers out there, offering you my latest book, Awareness Integration Therapy. Clear the past, create a new future, and live a fulfilled life now. Every person that reaches out to a psychotherapist, a counselor, or a coach is seeking to learn skills that can be utilized daily to foster a successful and fulfilling life. So this book offers an effective tool to all psychotherapists and coaches for supporting their clients to become aware of their inner process and to be accountable for it as well as the results in all areas of their lives with the utmost level of care and acceptance. This is a must read for all of you clinicians and coaches who desire to offer a deep therapeutic work in a brief period of time suited for this era. The question is, how do we handle sudden changes um, in our life? 
where, you know, we've planned a particular thing, uh, an event, uh, our whole day. Sometimes we plan our whole life. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to go to school and then I'm going to go to a job and then I'm going to build my career and then um, I'm going to have, a, you know, my mate. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have kids. So that's how we may uh, plan all of our life. Another thing would be, you know, planning our day. I'm going to wake up in the morning, have my breakfast, um, go ahead and do my exercise. And then I'm going to meet with so-and-so and so. And then something happens without you anticipating it shows up. What happens to most of us is we get startled. Uh, we get angry, we get frustrated. Definitely it's an inconvenience. And then many of us first go into denial or bargaining into changing it the way we want it to be. As if like, no, 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 this can't be. It has to be the way I thought because I just have to now change a lot of things that are gonna be very difficult. If I have appointments with people, what's gonna to happen to them? If it's about my life and I have to reroute, what's gonna to happen to all the plans that I have? How is this gonna impact everybody else? So our mind a lot of times just gets really jumbled and um, we get very frustrated. Most people, out of that frustration and anxiety of how they have to deal with all of this. They get angry, they get enraged, and they show their anger toward the person um, that has brought up the change um, and blast at them. Well, that usually ain't gonna change anything either because if the change is happening and we have to deal with it, we have to deal with it. So usually then what we do is we'll go with the resentment and try to figure out other options to do while in our head, which is moan and moan and grumpy and going to um, still kind of bargaining in our head that this should not happen, whose fault it is. And that's what we're going to find out. And they're going to be punished. And we're going to find out um, how it happened, why it happened. So we'll make sure it'll never happen again. And that's how our brain works. And that's okay. It's just that most of the time we go through the time miserable while we're actually creating the solution for the next planning and the next steps we have to do. So we're doing the work. Why am I being so miserable about it? So maybe if I can go through the work without being miserable, at least I have saved some of, my, some of my mental energy and I would be more in a good mood. And my brain will have a more capacity to look for appropriate solutions instead of standing there and fighting with people and constantly throwing negative energy toward myself and everybody else. Maybe I can immediately look at, yes, something has happened. I don't like it because a change has come upon, upon me, which I didn't agree with. I didn't request it and messes up my whole day and probably my whole life as I have planned it. So when something happens that I don't like, I need to acknowledge it. I don't like this. And that's okay that I don't like it. Then the point is finding the reason of why that happened. Maybe the person who has created the change can tell me, even if I don't like it, they have their own reason of why things have changed. I can accept the reason, again, although I don't like it, and then look at possible scenarios. Even if someone has changed something in front of me, such as changing an appointment with me, um, changing the course of the day, um, any of the plans I've had that they can't handle. I'm going to a restaurant and they don't have the food I want. I go on a plane and they, they cancel my flight. Um, anything that happens that is different, um, then I can ask. The person will let me know. And then I can go ahead and change the plan with some solution. Maybe the person who changed the plan can give me an alternative plan and we could create a solution together. Maybe they can't. They just canceled it and there's nothing that they can do about it. 
then maybe I can look at alternatives. Maybe I can talk to the resources I have, my friends, my family, um, the people who are um, at the center of the business or uh, planning that I need to do. And I can come up with a new plan. And if this is messing up everything else with everybody else, maybe I can call, I can text, I can explain what's going on and request also a shift of planning with them. Most people are um, very forgiving and they're very um, helpful and collaborative when we go to them and say, this is an issue and can we collaborate together and shift this? My experience has been that when I'm not stressed and when I'm not being upset and throwing my anger everywhere or that I don't like refuse and not even deal with it, things so that I ignore all the people that this is impacting, usually people collaborate very easily. The problem becomes when I brew the anger and frustration. So now I'm in a bad mood. Now everybody I'm going to call, I'm going to dump that anger. I put them also in an, you know, a frustrating mood. They just don't want to deal with me. And if I um, don't handle my communication with everyone that is impacted, then they get upset with me because I didn't take the responsibility of communicating with them. So let's figure out how to immediately put ourselves from a place of um, upset because something changed into an appropriate solution, into communicating with everybody that it affects. And I can come back and bring my day and my life, in a sense, back into a status quo of um, ease that it could go forward. And then after I've created the scenario and this new solution and I'm putting it back into just like deep breathing, calm yourself down and calm your body and all of the anxiety and the frustration down and just enjoy the new plans that you've created and life goes on. Life consistently brings a lot of changes. I remember when I was a teenager, that was not acceptable to me. It was as if the only way I could handle my anxiety was to pre-plan everything so that I can go through the day with minimum anxiety. But pre-planning is fantastic as I go forward. But getting stuck in my pre-planning, since the world is just going to bring whatever it does, that getting stuckness in my pre-planning is what's going to get me really, really upset. Because getting stuck in it means that I am under the delusion that if I pre-plan everything, the world will come through exactly as I said it would. Well, rude awakening, that ain't going to happen, right? So if I am, if I pre-plan, because obviously I want my life to go in order, and it does minimize anxiety and chaos when I have uh, created an appropriate plan for my day going to go through through my success. However, if something happens, I also need to have the flexibility to be able to change and move with all of the waves that are coming so that I can come back and create a calmness in my day. So get unstuck from your pre-planning and you can come back from an anxiety and frustration through replanning, renegotiating, creating the solution, and then taking care of your body, calming yourself down, and enjoying the new way that you have created. Thank you. I had to meet you here today. All of you therapists, counselors, coaches, and teachers out there, offering you my latest book, Awareness Integration Therapy. Clear the past, create a new future, and live a fulfilled life now. Every person that reaches out to a psychotherapist, a counselor, or a coach is seeking to learn skills that can be utilized daily to foster a successful and fulfilling life. 
So this book offers an effective tool to all psychotherapists and coaches for supporting their clients to become aware of their inner process and to be accountable for it as well as the results in all areas of their lives with the utmost level of care and acceptance. This is a must read for all of you clinicians and coaches who desire to offer a deep therapeutic work in a brief period of time suited for this era. Have you ever wished you could just wake up one day, reach across your nightstand and hit the life reset button? Let's face it, the struggles and frustrations of everyday life leave millions of women and men around the globe yearning for a new way. And the new way is right here in Life Reset, the awareness integration path to create the life you want by Dr. Fujan Zain. You can get it now at fujan.com or amazon.com. Life Reset, the awareness integration path to create the life you want. You deserve it. Hello, I'm Dr. Fujan Zain. I'm a psychotherapist and a life coach for the past 30 years, and I'm the originator of the Awareness Integration Therapy. I'd love to be able to support you in any matters of life that shows up for you that you need support. So call me at 818-648-2140. I am available to do online therapy or coaching, anyone who's around the world. And my, you can also join me in my office in San Clemente, California, if you'd like to uh, come to the office. So call me at 818-648-2140 or go to fujon.com. I look forward to hearing from you and having the opportunity to support you in things that are in your life and you just want to excel and create an amazing life for yourself and everyone around you. Take KMET 1490 AM with you everywhere you go by downloading our free smartphone apps found on the KMET website, kmet1490am.com. You can also go to the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store on your phone to download the free app. Now you can listen live or play any of your favorite programmers' podcasts using your smartphone. Go to kmet1490am.com and download your free phone app today. Everything must change Nothing stays the same Yes, everything must change well, welcome back, everyone. I am excited uh, to be with Dr. Rochelle Calvert. She's a psychologist and the author of Healing with Nature and certified in the variety of mindfulness meditation and trauma healing practices. She is the founder and the clinical director of New Mind Life in San Diego, California. Nice to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here and share on this book with your audience. Yes, um, I love your book. And um, I, um, as I went through it, it really um, brought back a lot of the ways that I've, let's say, attempted to do meditation. Um, I think that many people, as I talk to them, including myself, as I've experienced it, we have um, maybe these type of expectations that are not valid um, when it comes about meditation. And uh, I loved it that you are bringing nature into this because it does really um, bring an ease into this concept of sit tight, sit in a particular way, don't move. And my body is going, no, 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 no. I'm in pain and I don't like it. Right. But as I was reading your book and bringing all the other senses in it, um, it was really sweet in, oh, I don't have to sit somewhere isolated. It's as if I am within the world of everything around me and I'm becoming one. So that was my experience. Mm. So share with us um, your experience as you went through the concept of mindfulness and then you added nature or maybe the other way around, the nature yeah. got to be in that. 
<laughs> oh, it depends on how far back we want to go. But I think I've always been connected to nature and uh, love to be in it with her, you know, surrounded by it. But with regards to mindfulness or meditation, I too started much the same way you were just describing, right? Like we're taught to sit indoors, we're taught to sit in a particular way, we're taught to focus our attention. And it's a lot of work in the beginning to train the mind to study like that. And I very quickly, after a few years, just my own practice, realized that when I was outside, it was just easier. It was just the, the nervous system inclines to relax when we're outside. Our senses are naturally alert and awakened. And it's just a greater sense of ease that can come in this is the port of the development of our practice um, a lot of times I share with people it's like you know when you walk outside it's not hard to like want to hear the bird song it's not hard to feel the breeze it's not hard to smell like the fragrance of the earth or a flower and we can learn how to use our capacity to be present with the support of nature to help us feel more steady and almost really allows the mind um, a chance to release itself from its need to do. And when we're outside and able to practice, it's just um, a little more available for us in that way. I remember every time I drove to Mount Shasta, right when you go from Lake Shasta going you know, into Mount Shasta, my mind just became quiet, even in the car. Yes. Just the scenery, just being in that arena, it's just my mind being quiet. The same thing happened when I went and drove yes. to Savannah. And I get that um, when um, I am in nature, I get mesmerized by it. Mm -hmm. And kind of the oneness that gets created, um, it's, it's amazing. Now, in your experience, um, does it have to be a particular nature? So, for example, my experience, I feel... Um, a different type of affinity when I'm in greenery and water versus like desert and mountains. And I know other people really, really feel safe and, you know, in this uh, grandness of, let's say, like the mountains. What mm -hmm. is your experience for people who are maybe choosing a particular nature level to be with? Yeah, uh, well, I think... I'll answer that two ways. One is to say that I think we all have places that we just feel more naturally drawn to. You know, for me, that's, um, I'm in a canyon right now. I tend to gravitate towards places that have earth all around them. I love that feeling of being contained and held and kind of cradled by the earth, right? And so, and for, like you were saying, some people it's water and it's expansive vistas. And I'm going to add that another thing that I'm pointing to in the book, while it's lovely if we can have immediate access to those kind of more um, expansive forms of nature, but we don't necessarily need them to be able to practice mindfulness with nature. You know, our, the walls of our home are made of the earth. We forget that, right? So you could practice with your house plant and the boards in your house and still have that sense of, oh, right, I'm here, I'm, I'm connected and I'm supported and I can be present to the containerness of, although it's taken a different form, still nature, right? And so I invite people that we don't need to go out and find and be in the like, you know, raw nature wilderness we can practice right where we are with the concrete literally under our feet because the concrete is also the earth too. It's just again in a different form, but learning how to be present to the supportive elements of nature to steady us into being here. That's really what the essence of the, the mindfulness with nature practices are about. Beautiful. You um, have different chapters um, when it comes to how to breathe and what it means to breathe and how to go in uh, with specific types of breathing. And then also talk about sensory awareness and body awareness, element awareness. And um, can you share a little bit about how do we go from breathing and um, kind of becoming in tuned with the outer level of through our sensory awareness and then going in um, and being aware of our body? Yeah. I think um, this is why nature is such a great container to practice in because 
to feel the outer doesn't take that much work to then map it into the inner experience we're having. So for example, if we take a breath in, you can try this if you're listening, just breathing in and then breathing out. And as we breathe again, just notice when you breathe in, you're actually taking in the oxygen from the plant. These little leaves behind me have just offered their radiant presence, their beingness, right? And I can breathe again and say, oh, oxygen from the plants. And then as I breathe out, that, ox that carbon dioxide is being released out and actually being nutrients for those plants, right? And so when we, yes, we can focus on studying the breath, which is a traditional mindfulness practice. But when we start to layer in this awareness of breathing with, breathing in relationship to nature you know when i go to breathe in like right now the air is a little moist there's a scent that's kind of present because it was um raining yesterday here right and now i'm breathing and almost even tasting the earth right as i'm breathing so there's these different ways that we're exploring in the book that not just about studying hereness which is the practice of meditation but the study of hereness with nature and how that really allows us to soften and to settle even more where, where we maybe aren't quite again so pulled by the mind. Mm -hmm. um, you share uh, in your book also about elements awareness and then bringing that into the body awareness. I, um, can you share a little bit about what you mean by element awareness? So obviously you talked a little bit about um, the water that is in the moisture, uh, but mm -hmm. You talked about the earth. So say a little bit more about how do we kind of incorporate that type of element awareness? Yeah. So progressively in the first part of the book, we're moving through the breath, but then the senses and then the body and then elements. And now there's a reason for that progression so that we want to awaken. Oh, wow. I can be connected to all the sensory experiences that are here. For example, like sound right? Sound is actually traveling on the waves of the air, right? And so by the time we're getting to exploring element awareness, we've not only heard and experienced sound awareness, but maybe we felt the vibrations of those sounds in our bodies. And now we're realizing, oh, the, the air is actually that I'm breathing. That sense of that element is here and present for me to feel within my body not just when I take a breath, but maybe through the way we experience sound or all of the different ways that the body experiences the element of air. And then we realize that all of these elements, air, fire, earth, water, and even space, those are all around us, but they're all part of our body too, right? We have the same minerals in our body that's in the earth. Right? And so it's this reflection of, as we get to the elements practice, drawing on all those other beautiful mindfulness practices to deepen our sense of, well, so when I'm sitting and I feel the steadiness of my body, the bones of my body, can I get curious about how there's that solidity, rockness, formness, earthness within me, right? not separate from the earth beneath me, and there's some practices in the book that we explore how to really feel the inner and the outer that these elements that are around us and we can see and we often are gravitating towards as beautiful expressions of nature, those are true in our being too. And so we can learn how to wake up to that. And what that ultimately gives us is a greater sense of our aliveness, our fullness of our own nature. And then we have a a rich ground in which to draw from to be able to explore the healing of of trauma which is what the the latter parts of the book begin to point to yes as you were uh, talking what i was experiencing was almost like this um skin part mm. and it gets dissolved and the boundaries of the inner and outer kind of get meshed and i the first thing that shows up for me is like, oh, I'm not alone. <laughs> yes. And so the loneliness doesn't even show up. Yeah. The second one was I'm alone, but I'm safe. It's like, mm. it's not, I'm not alone. I am safe within mm. uh, the bigger picture. And um, 
and that I am made of everything that's out there. So it's like the oneness, the experience of oneness kind of shows up. Yeah, yeah. I think that is such a beautiful um, insight that comes from practicing with nature as we really begin to feel our interconnectedness, our interbeingness, um, that it's, it can't be separate. <laughs> the fact that we're able to breathe, the fact that our body rests on this earth, it's all part of one system that really is offering itself in different forms and expressions and connections. But we miss that because our brains are so busy in the doing and in the activities of what we think needs to happen next, rather than really feeling into our, our oneness, our natureness that is not separate from all of this. And then you share about somatic knowing, <laughs> as if like, okay, when I get very connected to my body, and um, then there's knowledge that shows up if I'm listening, of a first that type of a connection and that type of acceptance and love. And then it's almost like, okay, my body's going to tell me a somatic knowing. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, if your listeners are familiar with somatic experiencing, that's where I'm drawing from, which is body informed trauma healing therapy that was developed by Peter Levine about 30 years ago. Um, and interestingly enough, when he developed it, he really was developing it because he was watching and studying nature um, and realizing that most of nature has this organic way of healing itself and resolving um, the disruptions that it experiences and returns to regulation and homeostasis. But we as humans have trouble doing this. So that was really the impetus for, for the healing modality. So to bring these somatic healing practices in the relationship of nature, she's really just an ally to be able to help us tune in to where in our bodies are we stuck? Are we not feeling our fullest, most vibrant selves? And how can we use some skillful means, these practices that I'm offering in the book to be able to unwire this, you know, challenge that maybe we were unable to resolve and ultimately became stuck in our body and creates patterns that we're not feeling good about, that these practices help find a way to allow that to resolve or to transform or to release even from the body. And while I offer lots of different ways to do this, there's the mind loves to go, great, I'm going to get it out and I'm going to get it gone. And <laughs> there's like this really grippy nature of the mind to say, I'm going to fix it. And I would just offer that if nature's way of resolving itself is to participate with all of the conditions, all of the elements, the things that are here to support it, to heal, that's going to be true for us too. So we have to have that kind of deep listening to our inner landscape with our outer landscape to be able to bring those systems into that homeostasis and balance through these practices. When you talk about um, nature healing the trauma inside, can you chat, tell me first what your definition of trauma and what is it that um, nature can? What types of trauma? I know that we have... Um, in the world of psychology, we call it, you know, small T's or the uh, right. big T's. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And many times in the world of psychotherapy, um, we know that uh, maybe people with awareness can go through and let go and heal them, themselves from the small T's. But we've always had many um kind of deep psychotherapies and long-term psychotherapies to work with big traumas, you know. Uh, can you share a little bit about what you're uh, defining as trauma yeah. when it comes to nature healing it? Yeah. I, uh, I appreciate our field and the way that we've defined the big and the little T. And I'm also a fan of letting go of a big or a little. <laughs> I think it's relationally contextual. You know, somebody who experiences a little tea, it may feel like a big tea and vice versa. So my definition of trauma is really something that we've experienced in our life that was very distressing, very disturbing, overwhelming even. And at that moment in time, maybe we just didn't have enough resources to bear on it. We tried, we did our best, we got through it. 
but ultimately after we brought the resources we had to bear on it, when we got to the other side of it, we just didn't feel like ourselves again. We just didn't kind of come back to that baseline of who we knew ourselves to be. And then as a result, maybe develop certain habits or challenges of mental state or emotional state that we did just to cope, to get on with life. And, and then as a result, I'm gonna pause for our plain friend for a moment. <laughs> um, may they be well as they fly like the birds, um, but that we, you know, ultimately are able to, as we come through that other side, not able to restore a sense of balance, that trauma, whatever by that definition it is, can get stuck in our nervous system. And then we just kind of go on to have patterns in life that are not as healthy or as wholesome as we want them to be. So, so it really can be anything that you personally define the trauma as. And I never want to get in the way, at least as a therapist or someone who's supporting the healing modality to, to help somebody, if that's their definition of whatever life event was that created that experience for them, by all means, that's a trauma that needs your attention and your wisdom and your healing. So when you talk about the nature and the mindfulness, having the ability to uh, heal trauma, how do you suggest for this um, happening? I know that there are Peter Levine and um, many, many other uh, masters in psychotherapy where they look at the body and, and the way that the body, as you become aware of it, moves through and um, changes. And I'm going to remember the name and just uh, went away. There was a therapy that you also put like the, the trauma on one hand and the positive aspects of the healing on another. And mm. I've watched for three to four hours of watching that the body just be able to uh, dissolve this matter on its own and handle it. And these are many of the different mm -hmm. things of um, how the awareness of the body and trauma has. Um, what is the system that you propose uh, as we are in nature and that type of somatic healing happens that resolves the trauma. Yeah, thank you for asking to clarify and deepen that. Um, that, you know, nature's impulse is to thrive, right? And that's our impulse too. And so if we can start to see the way nature kind of reflects or mirrors to us, maybe what we need to see, how we need to see it, how we need to experience it in our own bodies, that would be what I'm, I'm suggesting is possible by waking up our health of our nervous system with nature, right? There's um, many different examples of this, but you can see like if a tree loses its limb, right? And the way that all the resources around the tree will recruit elements to support the rest of the growth of the tree, right? Well, what a great metaphor for how we might want to be looking at what, what do we need to recruit? What do we need to bring into our own system if something is feeling broken or not whole or how we can feel and still sense our unique beauty and wholeness? And so nature, I think, again, a great container to feel safe and to feel supported and do these healing practices within, but also a great mirror and a great reflector and as we were talking a minute ago about that oneness what if we as we feel that oneness we begin to um, synchronistically get messages that we maybe wouldn't otherwise get on our own but because we're in that one and we're in that sense of reciprocity and the healing and the listening and the reflecting now there's a conversation happening to our aliveness to a sense of how we might um, be able to receive the messages that we couldn't otherwise author for ourselves, but we begin to feel that in the relationship of that potency of healing that's growing with nature. So what I'm hearing from you is that there's a relationship that I create with nature out there through my body, because that's my vehicle. Yeah. Then I connect with every aspect of my body um, and connect the relationship between my body and what's out there, which through my five senses, but then also acknowledge that my body is the same four elements that are out there. So this builds this relationship of internally and externally. And then as I hear my body, 
the wisdom of the knowing that my body tells me, it would tell, it tells me if I'm listening, <laughs> the off balance aspect mm -hmm. that, um, that can be uh, connected to, to nature and take the same wisdom as the nature allows itself to recuperate and balance it itself constantly. Mm -hmm. I would also get the knowing and the wisdom from my body is what is it that it's that I'm bringing into my world from my surrounding that it takes me off balance and what is it that I can take from the external world which will put me back into an equilibrium and a balance where it would create healing is that what I'm yes hearing? definitely well synchronized and summated <laughs> uh, yes I would absolutely yes <laughs> and that you know while it could sound like wow that seems like a lot to do it really is as simple as if you walk outside and you feel allured by a beautiful green plant and you reach out to touch it and you're present with it and all of a sudden you realize you're holding hands with the plant and you're like oh i just needed to hold hands with a friend mm -hmm. take that into your body and how how nourishing that feels to then let you go on with whatever is going to unfold next um i had created um uh, like a self-hypnosis meditation type uh, mm -hmm. that was interesting uh, where you would go to every single organ and parts of your body and obviously you know first you would connect and say I love you and thank you for everything that you've been doing to for me and then what is it that you need to share with me mm -hmm. and, um, it was interesting that um, there's a lot that is said in, in that moment, I'm not saying I listened to everything. <laughs> <laughs> we, we get the messages and we have to listen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it tells me not to eat something. I'm like, but it's so cool. So good. <laughs> you really want me to let that go. I don't think you're sure. Let me. <laughs> So it was interesting with those bargaining aspects of, um, of, you know, where like a taste or my addictive mind or mm. something goes, what are your suggestions about when your body clearly mm. is telling you something and then other parts of you are like, nope, mm -hmm. it creates more of the off balance, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this is where, you know, the practices of the way we can be mindful really support us working with that inner dissonant state that can that can happen where we know that there's some intuitive way we want to be meeting ourselves but there's also another part of us that's saying like i'm not ready for that or whatever the version of that is that comes forward and how do you bring compassion or kindness or non-judgment to that part of you when it's coming up and saying no i really want to eat it it's so good how do we in that moment say Oh, I see you too. Thank you for being here. I know that you're part of a, a pattern that's just been trying to help me to serve my well-being in some way, even if it's not the most healthy way. That you know, I I really am a proponent of once we see those places of stickier challenge, um, barrier, if we want to call that, whatever the reactive pattern is that we're seeing, that pattern deserves our care and our love and our attention. We would not judge the broken limb. You don't look at the broken limb of the tree and say, man, that sucks that you have a broken limb and you look ugly now and what a terrible, ugly tree you are and you're no good. And why we would not learn to have compassion for whatever the thing is that's in our own inner nature, just because of the experiences we've been through, begin to relate to it that way, at least offer the possibility of relating it to that way. And the same way we would care for a kind little you know, beetle that got turned on his back and couldn't get turned over, we'd help it back over. Can we help our, our patterns in that same kind of way? And, and begin to then from that, lend ourselves towards, even if it's just staying with the presence of that thought before we go get the food for just a couple more seconds, <laughs> compassionately, and then go get the food. All of that is just building a different inner terrain and landscape in which to explore for yourself to not be stuck on that same path that kind of takes us off course 
Yeah, um, definitely, as you said. And then another part that um, I notice is it might take a while, but it's almost like those parts can't, if, if I'm aware of the two parts and keep mm-hmm. exactly like you said, just being compassionate toward the two parts, yep. finally, they'll figure it out, you know, like siblings. Yes. <laughs> they'll figure it out. They can and- coexist and find harmony eventually. <laughs> Everyone, Dr. Rochelle Calvert, um, and the book is Healing with Nature. It's amazing. It has so many good exercises and mindfulness practices for all of you to go section by section, uh, really connecting you and relating you to you, your parts, and the nature. Um, Rochelle, anything that um, we haven't shared and you really want everybody to know? Yes. Um I really want to invite you to explore this book as your own path. I talk about this book as I kind of created a map or a road hiking trail of sorts um, for you to go and explore. But once you're on it, you're in it. And so you'll discover the beautiful wisdom that's there for you to see and to connect to for yourself. And the, the biggest hope I have from this book is not only that we heal within our own traumas and challenges that we've struggled with, but because we're healing with nature, that trauma, that we feel more alive and connected to heal her back in some way. It does not need to mean that you take on, you know, the world's biggest global crisis climate issue. It's just very simple that maybe you start speaking kindly to your plant friends. Maybe you just decide we're not going to smash that bug today, right? Like it's just a small act of giving back to what you feel more alive and supported and healed by with nature that we can make small ways and impacts into the relationship of helping her in some way too. Beautiful. Please get the book Healing with Nature by Dr. Rochelle Calvert. And you can go to newmindfullife.com to get more information and to get the book. Thank you so much for being with us and sharing your beautiful wisdom with us today. Thank you so much for having me. And for all of you who are out there, create an amazing world for yourself and everyone around you. And until next week, bye-bye.